Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of our Wednesday night study entitled A Study of Prayer based on the book How to Pray by Ronnie Floyd. Since this is a discussion-based study, we have edited out the comments made by those in attendance due to the fact that they do not have a microphone. May you draw closer to God each day in your prayer life. Lesson 16, The Wall of an Unrepented Heart. If you're, especially if you're with us for the first time or you're dropping back in after a little while, we have been having a study on prayer, uh, different aspects of prayer, and how prayer can be powerful, but also how our actions or attitudes can slow prayer up and be a, a block in the way that God answers and honors our prayers. Our, our attitude and our heart ties in very deeply with how God honors prayer. And so we've been looking at prayer in a lot of different aspects. And the, the, uh, the, the lessons that we have been through in the recent past, uh, 14, 15, tonight is lesson 16, are barriers to prayer. What are our barriers to powerful prayer? Uh, let me just backtrack and tell you the first two so we can tie in with the third one tonight. First of all, uh, one barrier to prayer is the wall of strained relationships. You nor I can have a truly deep prayer life if we're carrying anger and malice or hatred uh, or feelings against someone. Uh, God cannot honor prayers when our relationships with people are filled with negative things. Uh, a church cannot be a powerful praying church if we have infighting inside the church. Now, there may be disagreements in the church, but we need to be together so that we can work those things out and forgive and move on. Amen? You know, we'd be, we would be naive to say that never happens. You know it does. But we need to be able to work through those things so we can move on in the ministry uh, and in the, in especially in the prayer life of the church with the Lord. Uh, a church cannot be powerful praying if, there, if it's in upheaval and strife. So we have to resolve that barrier of strained relationships within the church and personally in our own lives. First barrier. Here's the second barrier to powerful prayer. Uh, the wall of improper motives. What does that mean? That means that my will is more important than God's will. That my motive for prayer is improper. I'm asking prayer for my benefit rather than for God's will to be done. We, we need to lay aside self-centeredness in our life. And we need to, to lay aside self-centeredness in the church. And, and one of the things that we talked about in that lesson was that the American church can be very self-centered. Let's minister to us rather than looking outside for others and their needs. Uh, sometimes, you know, we, we, I'm not talking about we as Clifford Baptist Church. I'm talking about we as the church in general. We can turn inward and look at ourselves and look at our needs and look at our comforts and not look at the needs that are outside of our scope of ministry. So we need to surrender to what God wants and not necessarily what we want. Sometimes we need to lay down our personal comforts. Sometimes we need to step out of our comfortable box. And we need to ask God what He wants because it's not about us. It's about Him. When it's about us, that's a barrier to prayer because it's a selfish motive. Okay, tonight, then, we move on to still under the heading of the barriers to prayer. Uh, 
uh, tonight, the third barrier to prayer is the wall of an unrepentant heart. Uh, for those of you who are joining me here for the first time, I thought I brought the book with me. I must have left it home. Uh, it's, a, it's a book on prayer that was written by Ronnie Floyd, who, is, who has been a, a pastor for many years, over 40 years. Uh, he's also in the upper ranks of leadership with the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, a very knowledgeable man. Uh, I've, some of us here have heard him preach. A great man of God. So I've appreciated this book that he wrote. So I'm using that as the skeleton, kind of putting the meat on the bones myself in some of the areas. But, uh, but I'm using his skeleton of this book. Uh, tonight, the third barrier of prayer then is the unrepentant heart. How many of us here have a drawer in our home somewhere that we call the junk drawer? 100%. <laughs> well, maybe not quite, but... Uh, you know, you scrounge around, and I, we've got one. And I spend more time trying to find what I need than using the thing that I get uh, out of the junk drawer because it's three feet deep and it's got all kinds of stuff in it. We scrounge around till we find the tape or the ruler or the screw or the, plow, the pliers or the eyeglass screwdriver or the picture mounting wire, the super glue, the small nail, the tape measure, whatever it is in the junk drawer you got to find it in order to complete your task. But also, uh, you don't raise your hand on this one, but some folks have a junk room in the house. Maybe it's in it's your garage. I've seen it. <laughs> I've just seen your garage. That's all I'm saying. I've seen your garage. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, while the house might be clean and spotless, there's this closed-up space where all the junk collects. While all of your cabinets might be completely clean and look wonderful and everything's in its place, there's a junk drawer somewhere that's hidden that has all the mess in it. Uh, so here's the question tonight that really does lead us. Do you have that kind of room in your heart? Do you have some room in your heart, in your life, that you, would be un, that you would be ashamed if someone opened the door and looked inside? Here's a quote from the book. That room may contain some passions, desires, vain imaginations, speculations, and secret sins that you have lived with so long that you're not sure you are willing to live without them that room that collects those things. So we keep the door closed and those items hidden. Uh, we're not eliminating the junk. We just hide it so nobody can see it. Uh, I noticed that we went from laughter to complete silence here because it, it really does strike us that we need to examine our lives. And believe me, I'm leading you in this study needing to examine my own. So we're in this together, and we're in this uh, thought together of what we need to deal with in our life. Uh, so we're going to deal with this subject of secret sin tonight because secret sin is a huge barrier to powerful prayer, answered prayer, honored prayer. Uh, according to Ronnie Floyd, the author of this book, secret sins are like bricks that build a wall up between us and God. And for... for for the secret sins, we're the only ones that know about the wall, personally. 
Other people outside looking in don't know about the wall. But that wall keeps our prayer life from being effective. Uh, the Bible certainly does teach us that sin cannot be cherished in the heart. That we can't carry it around and keep it as a pet. But rather we are to have it removed by the Lord. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So there it is. Another word uh, to, uh, for regard if it, when it says, If I regard wickedness in my heart. Another word for regard here in the Hebrew is to cherish. If we hide away sin but keep going back to it, then we regard it, we cherish it, we carry it, and it becomes a wall. So secret sin blocks God's answer to prayer. And secret sin stands in the way of answered prayer and powerful prayer. So if there's something in you or me, and we know that it's not right before God, then there's, we can deal with it in one of two ways. We can let it go. Under the power of God, we can lay it at the foot of the cross and say, Lord Jesus, please deliver me from this thing that I'm carrying. Deliver me from this hidden sin that I've cherished too long. That's one thing we can do. Another thing that we can do is just hang on to it. And the longer we hang on to it, the harder and the more unrepentant our heart becomes. That's from the book, but I certainly agree with it. Ronnie Floyd says that there is a principle that flows from Psalm 66, 18, which is the cherishing sin keeps God from hearing our prayer. It's called the connection principle. This is his word, the connection principle. Here it is. Prayer that is acceptable to God must be connected with a desire to forsake our sin. If we are going to have an effective prayer life, it has to be connected with our desire to be clean before God. Uh, we, we can't pray with the junk drawer full. We need to, to strive to ask God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and wickedness because you can't hide sin and experience the, two, the truest power of prayer. That's the major point. There's the point. If you want to write down a sentence tonight, there it is. You cannot hide sin and experience the true power of prayer because sin is a barrier to that. So what is the secret sin we could hide? Well, uh, we'll just name a few of them. Some form of worldliness, some, some form of ungodliness that flows out of the world. Uh, certainly, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind is pornography or a relationship with someone that is not genuine and true. Uh, it, it's, it skirts on the edge of something that's not right. It skirts on the edge of a slippery slope that could take us down. When we play with relationships like that, it's an, a barrier to prayer. We, we, we can enjoy entertainment that is not godly. Uh, in fact, I think I addressed that a little bit on Sunday. When we laugh at wickedness, that's a barrier to prayer. When we invite wickedness into our home uh, through comedians on TV or wherever it might be, uh, it's a barrier to prayer because we're laughing at things that are opposed to God. How can we pray for God's will when we are entertaining the things that are against His will? So we have to be careful what we allow in our mind and in our home. 
Uh, and I, I, I emphasize that to young parents and parents of youngsters around your table. Be careful what you allow into their minds uh, because it can surely affect them not just for a little while but for the rest of their life, something they might have to work to overcome for the rest of their life. Okay, so entertaining worldliness is certainly a sin that we have to be very careful of. Here's another secret sin, some form of level of unforgiveness, uh, an unforgiveness towards someone, and you carry that unforgiveness day after day. Certainly, it's hard to let go. You might not want to let it go, and yet unforgiveness is one of those forms of personal sin that will keep us from having powerful prayer. Clyde, what is the, what's the saying about poison? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison hoping the other person dies. That's a, that's a pretty good, that's, that's something to write down. Unforgiveness, like drinking poison hoping the other person dies. How sad that is. It's self-destructive. And it's destructive to a, a good and gratifying prayer life. Another secret sin. Uh, you're stealing from God. And maybe you steal from God and hide it in your junk drawer. Uh, maybe it's a form of material stealing. You know, you, you bring home articles from work that really didn't belong to you. Or one way of stealing, and this is uh, solidified by the book of Malachi, if you don't tithe. You know, every penny and every shred of everything we have is a gift of God. All the provision that we have is a gift of God. He asks for a tenth of it back. If you don't give it to him in usage for the kingdom's work, it's plain old stealing. And that's exactly what Malachi calls it. So we have to be careful, and, and, and we, have to be the, we have to be the Lord of our stuff and not let our stuff be the Lord of our life because that can be a barrier to our prayer life. Uh, be careful. We've got to keep our material life in its proper place. Uh, they're, they're, you know, some of the richest men in the world are biblical men. Uh, Abraham was a rich man. Uh, Solomon, of course, rich beyond our wildest dreams. So having a lot is not sin. It's how we allow it to affect our life that becomes sin. You know, the, the, the biblical rule is not that money is the root of evil, but the love of money is the root of evil. Is it a tool or is it a God? Exactly right. Well put. Uh, okay, stealing also from God is a misuse of your time. God has given you and me a set of talents. Uh, now, as I've said many times from the pulpit, those talents are not really given power to be a talent until Jesus Christ is your Savior. But once Jesus becomes your Savior, those talents are then uh, enacted by God in you that you can use them for his service. There are lots of talented Christians sitting around in a pew not doing anything, stealing from God. So uh, I'm just telling you, be careful and, and use your talents for him. Don't be too busy to come to worship. Don't be too busy to commit to working in an avenue of the church's ministry. We, we need every single person employed in the church's ministry for the church to have a well-rounded ministry. Uh, 
maybe it's being selfish with a talent. You, you know your talents. Use them for the glory of God. I, I said something, you know, I did a little revival last week at, in Scottsville, Fox Memorial Church, <laughs> which I'm coming up, I think, on 30 years there, 40 years here and 30 years there uh, every year. But the young lady, I'd say she's probably 21, 22 years old, sang. She had a beautiful voice. I got to play guitar for her a little bit. And one of the things I said to the congregation is, you know, there are, there are so many extremely talented people in this world and we see them on TV, and we see them on stage, and, and they have these amazing talents. And one of these days, God is going to look them eye to eye and say, I gave you a talent to praise me, and you wasted it. You used it in godly pursuit. You used it to make millions of dollars, but you didn't praise me once with your talent. So praise God for the voices raised up to, to praise God uh, and every talent that's given to him. So in order to have a productive prayer life, we have to let the Holy Spirit of God clean out the junk room and give us direction in how we're to walk the walk of Christ and serve Him. We are not any longer going to tolerate or hide our own sin. We're not pointing a finger at anybody else here tonight. This is, this is introspective. This is looking at yourself, me looking at myself. Where do we need to clean out the junk drawer? And where do we need to give uh, the Lord uh, our entire lives and, uh, and come to a powerful connection of answered and uh, effective prayer. It is connected to forsaking sin and living repentant lifestyle. Okay, uh, the end of the study here, he gives us four symptoms of an unrepentant heart. Let's see if I can get through these so we can have some time for prayer. Uh, symptom number one is very simple. You just desire to keep on sinning. There's no desire to resolve it, no desire to clean out the junk room. Uh, and a loss of spirituality will result in the loss of even the desire to pray. Uh, it, it becomes a slippery slope. Repeating a sin over and over again stands in the way of even our desire to pray. Symptom number two, an unrepented heart comes from ignoring God's promptings and conviction about that sin. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, he's telling you, and me. Here's a sin that needs to be taken care of. Here's something that needs to be resolved. He is telling you and me. And, and so there's, there's no sin that uh, I think that's hidden in such a way that we don't know about it because the Holy Spirit reminds us. Uh, remember in Acts chapter 9 uh, when Jesus speaks to Paul about his lost condition. Uh, in Acts 9-5, Jesus identifies himself to Paul and he says, this is in the King James Version, he said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Other versions say you're kicking against the goads. A goad is a long pole for driving oxen. And sometimes the farmer would jab the ox in order to make it move in the right direction. And the ox would kick against the jab of the goad. Uh, the Lord had been jabbing Paul over and over about where he was uh, in his goad of direction. And Paul refused to hear him for so long. He ignored the promptings of God. We can ignore the promptings of God. We must be careful. Symptom number three, to ignore the Lord over and over again will then develop a hard heart that will not listen anymore. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a place we don't want to be. We want to be soft-hearted, tender-hearted. There's a hard heart, there's a tender heart. 
We want to be tenderhearted toward the Lord's direction. To say no to him once makes it easier to say no to him the second time and easier the third and easier the fourth until you never come back. That's what the Lord tells us. Be careful because it damages our spiritual heart. The last one, symptom four, a hard heart in a Christian makes that person prone to manage that sin rather than overcome it. Let me just integrate it in my life and not get rid of it. Uh, a great verse in this area of um, a victory over abiding sin, and we'll end with this. Uh, I have a little point here. We can discuss this, but let's not. Let's just hear it and go straight on to prayer so we don't lose our prayer time tonight. Philippians 4.8. And Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Clean out your junk drawer by thinking on these things. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you will join us on our next podcast.